Hello and welcome to the Inner Gamer episode 252. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brett Yanoski. And I'm Austin Morales. And this week on the Inner Gamer podcast, Brett jumps into a symbol with care on the iPhone. We both jump into Remnant from the Ashes on the PC. And in the gaming news, Ubisoft shakes up its editorial team with the games looking the same. A lot of interesting facts from this article that we talk about. And uh, good things to come, potentially. Along with Epic Games, uh, stores pursuing more exclusives at the, after a successful first year. A little controversial in our eyes, but um, you know we'll talk, we'll talk about it, break down some numbers, and uh, see where the future of Epic Games might be going. For our discussion topic, games missing in 2020. We run down our top 10 games that have popped up over the years, but have yet to surface or be confirmed in some form or fashion, and uh, we kind of talk about the highlights and the the negatives about all that. So get ready for an action-packed podcast, because here we go. Cue that music. Welcome to the Hello, everybody. It is January 21st, 2020. Man, it's still weird that we're in the 20s of 2020. It is crazy. Yeah, it's, Welcome I, to the Endgamer Podcast. Is it the same for you when you like go to write the year and you have to do 2020 instead of just 20? <laughs> yeah, it is really weird. Just like, I, oh, I, I don't feel right right now. The 20 by itself. It's like backwards. It's yeah. very backwards. But I don't like it. But it's okay. It, it is what it is. At least, at least we don't have to write it as much as we used to in elementary school, where we had to write it in the like corner of our paper every time. Oh yeah, and write the date all the time. It drives uh, me crazy. Flashback, flashback. It always took me like two months to get uh, it right. Flashback, flashback. Anyway, everybody, welcome to the Intergamer Podcast. If you like this podcast, we'd love for you to show your support by donating to take us to the next level. Visit net slash donate to contribute or simply share this podcast with one of your friends. And uh, we are back, everybody, from PAX South 2020 this year. Uh, we are, you know, tired. Um, Brett felt interesting though, on the drive back because uh, <laughs> alcohol, maybe, or something. I don't really know what it alcohol, was. Maybe water burger. Then you caffeinated yourself. Yeah. Then you caffeinated myself. Again. So then so, uh, all the things. Hi- lack of yeah, li- lack of hydration probably was the case, and it was a whole thing. But we had a good time. We uh, got to talk to some developers, had a good time chatting with all of them. Larian Studios, uh, the developers behind Dodo Peak. Um, we talked to uh, Daylight Entertainment. And then we also talked to the developers, Bull Cut Studios, that make a game called Mage Quit, which we'll probably talk about in a future episode. Oh, but, yeah. Um, it was pretty good. Austin, how'd you like it? Yeah, well, it, was, it seems like every year now since we've been going, it gets less and less like t- major things yeah. to be excited about. But... I was pretty confident that we could find some gems in the rough, and we did that. We did that quite well, actually. We um, played board games in the board game room. Yes, we did. That was awesome. And I kicked your ass. Yes, I finally taught Brett to play Warhammer Underworlds, and I gave him the plug-and-play warband, and yeah, just destroyed me. Destroyed me. Oh, no, it wasn't a plug-and-play. It was the complicated one. Let's I not get, so. get anybody confused here. This is the hardest... Warband to play in all of the game. 
all of the game. I just want to make sure it's clear. Uh, it is the hardest war band to play. Um, and this is this is proof because there is no proof. I'm just you have to take my word for it. <laughs> yeah. So take yeah, just just take his word for it. Exactly. You know what? Exactly. Take take all of our words for it. But no, it was really good. It was uh, it was a lot to learn, uh, a lot of things to read and things to understand. But I could see after you get into it a little bit and you get your character down or your warband down, you understand what those cards do, um, that you can be kind of a force to be reckoned with big time. Oh, yeah. And we didn't even get into the meta of placing boards because they have, you know, certain things on there for, like, character or uh, warband placement along with lethal hexes and blocked hexes. So you can do a lot of interesting things with that and the way that you arrange the board, which we just kept playing long, long side and long side. And you can do like offset, and then you can do short tight, short side the short side to make it like a really long, narrow board. And it's uh, a lot of interesting things that can happen. Yep, yep, good times. Mm-hmm. Then uh, went to a gearbox party. That was pretty cool. Got to hang out with some people, some some influencer types, some Twitch types, some uh, just just general people types, and met some new faces and some familiar faces. And um, it was uh, it was good. It was a lot of fun. I had a good time. Oh yeah. So that is that is Pack South. You can check out our social channels for all of our pictures. And then you can also uh check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash inner gamer for the videos as they launch throughout the week. So video games. Uh we're gonna talk about some games that we've been playing for a while because due to packs and due to other things. We have not played anything like super fresh, super new. Um, also, nothing really significant has come out yet this year. So why not, you know, play catch up? So here we are. Yes, thank goodness. Uh, I know. Yeah, this is one that we've kind of been sitting on for a while and just haven't sat down and talk about it. But me and Austin and Travis jumped into a game called Remnant from the Ashes that was uh, created and developed by uh, Gunfire Games and published by Perfect World Entertainment. It's a third-person survival action shooter in a post-apocalyptic world overrun by monstrous creatures. Um, Austin, if you could sum up this game, or you, if you could relate a game to this that you played in the past, what would that be, or what games would that be? Um, well, PC Gamer summed it up pretty good. Uh, they said it was like Division meets um, like Dark Souls, which what got me onto this uh, was yes. originally that it was a gun gunslinger dark souls type game i was like well that's really interesting so i just kept hearing good things about it uh there wasn't too much out at the time during release it came out last august and uh at this point it's sitting at over sixteen thousand reviews on steam and it's very positive so i agree i mean it was a it's a good game like you get in there it's smooth uh, the combat is, I guess, kind of simplistic because you can like roll. Uh, there's stamina, so you can dodge hits from enemies and um, projectiles, and you have guns you can get and modify. Uh, you can get some, uh, you know, new outfits and stuff that kind of help your character uh, in different fields of stats. And the world is very linear, but still very well at least from, from a new player's perspective, kind of expansive in a way because there's a few like nooks and crannies that you can kind of explore as you traverse the world. 
and just trying to figure out what is really going on because it's very Lovecraftian, like some of these monsters. And yeah, um, it's new, it's exciting, it's I don't want to say it's different because I think it's taking a lot of different stuff that we've played over the years. Um, but uh, I mean, it's a good culmination of a lot of things that I like. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's interesting because it's it's unique in that, like Austin said, it's it's got a Dark Soul slash Division feel, and I I think that's pretty accurate because the combat systems are pretty. Um, you have to parry, you have to dodge, you have to time things a lot. Um, you also have uh, weapons and stuff like that that you can use that are long range kinds of uh, things, but. What it what it comes down to what's what's really interesting about this is that it's very difficult. It has co op components to it, which is awesome. So you can play with your friends, um, and they they start you in this hub world, and that hub world is kind of like your lead out to the portals of the unknown, the other worlds that exist out there for you to fight in, and you're basically traveling to these um, like realms that have bunch of bad guys to kill and then there's a boss fight and then that's like kind of the idea what i didn't realize i'm reading on steam here did you know austin that this is dynamically generated uh i felt like i did i don't remember now no i don't think i did actually i didn't realize that when i played but remember that one time when we played and then we died and then came back at the little like Dark Souls like portal thing, we're like, where the hell is this guy? Yeah. And we went around, went around trying to find him or whatever, and he wasn't there. I guess that explains why. Huh. Every encounter is different. Very interesting. Yeah. Wow. So I don't know if it's like completely brand new, but it sounds like they make like the maps change subtly, the enemy encounters change, the quest opportunities change, and the in world events change the game uh, yeah. with each playthrough. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's four worlds, so there's not a lot of different worlds to play through, but they, there's a lot more replayability because of these, uh, dynamic worlds that exist there. Um, I also like that as you play through, you get stronger because you, you unlock, you're able to upgrade over time with materials and loot and stuff, and you can build up your weapons and armor and all that to be a lot stronger. So you do have like an armor set and you have weapons that you use as well as modifications you can add that will um, strengthen your character as you play, which is very, very useful because some of these characters are very difficult to fight and kill us a lot because we almost, well, we did die several times fighting that one boss that was in that room that had the scaffolding, like the catwalks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was a tough one. That was real tough. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to get your bearings down when you're playing this because it's a little different in the... Controls are not what I feel like people are used to, but once you got that down, like me and Travis played probably maybe four or five hours one time, just grinding away, killing the enemies, leveling up. Like there, there is a loop here, and it's fun. It's really, it's really fun. Yeah. Somebody here made a reference to reading some of the reviews that this is basically what Hellscape London wanted to be and wasn't, ah. and I find that to be a pretty good reference because. Hellscape London tried really hard to be a really good game, mm-hmm. and it just kind of fell th- fell short a little bit. Yeah, and this is nice because it's uh, it's it's much more kind of focused and just on combat scenarios, and it didn't try to be as much of an epic as uh, other games have done. And I kind of kind of like that. 
So, so you, did you play that game? Uh, I, I played the beta like oh, early, early okay. on. Man, I was so excited for that game. Hellscape London. Yeah. Like, I was so excited. And I saw that trailer that they had, and I was like, this looks amazing. And they had a few like live action stuff, and I was just, it's just getting me like super pumped for it, man. Super pumped. Mm-hmm. But sadly, it yeah, just didn't pan out. Yeah, it was great. And it sucked too, because they spent like seven, eight years on that game trying to develop it, and it just never came to fruition. Yeah. Sucks, man. They tried and tried and tried, and um, apparently you can pick it up now for like $12.99. I guess it did release at some point, <laughs> point, but it didn't do super hot no. when it was all said and done. Man, I'm looking at screenshots of it, and the, oh my gosh, it looks so bad. It's crazy how much things change over the years. Because This game came out in um, uh, well, 2018, I guess, that somebody eventually released it. Oh no, this is... Uh, I don't know what this is. It's weird. It is Hellgate London. Just doesn't seem like Hellgate London. I think some developers picked it up and uh, were able to reproduce it basically and release it as its own title. Um, nice, because it never actually got finished. So anyway, but pretty interesting. But Remnant from the Ashes, really good game. I quite like it. Recommend it to people if you're looking for something to kill time with friends in between sessions of Apex Legends or Fortnite or whatever the heck it is you play. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And again, you know, for casual gamers like ourselves, you can jump in this game and play like half an hour and walk out pretty satisfied because I felt like the session, the gameplay sessions aren't super long. Um, and uh, yeah, you just have to find save points to save the game. And yeah. those are just like Dark Souls. So, oh, yeah, pretty good. I, I recommend it. I mean, it's not too expensive. Let me see. I just clicked off how much it was. Uh, it's pretty cheap. 40 bucks. Pretty cheap. I mean, if you're looking for a game that you can play with friends online, I think this is a good one. Yep. And Perfect Worlds had a lot of issues with coming up with games like these in the past, but they seem to have hit their mark with this one. Because I know they're doing an MMO where it was sort of like this, but you're in the world and you're like a teenager and... You have powers, and you're trying to fight off darkness that is like coming into the world and trying to take over. And they had this interesting another game that I was really excited for, but couldn't play because I was a kid and have money. Uh, and it seemed to have fell short on release. So that's what sucks. Yeah, but I'm glad they have something that's actually successful. Uh, another game I've been playing. Uh, I just finished yesterday. It is an Apple Arcade exclusive called Assemble with Care. And it's created by a company called Us Two Games, which I didn't realize until yesterday that this is the creators of Monument Valley. So it makes a lot of sense why it's such a good game because they made Monument Valley and that was incredible. And now this game is here. So this is a very simple um, narrative-driven story game where you are a character named Maria, a girl named Maria who travels the world and restores antiques and you arrive in a place called Bella Riva and you show up and first meet um, a woman, Carmen, who runs a uh, cafe and is passionate about her work and what she does. And then you help her fix something. And then later on, you just, what you're doing, the, the mechanics behind the game are a series of 
fixes where the gameplay is you have a old device that you have to take apart and then fix and put it back together. And you do that 13 times. So there's 13 levels to this game. And each one is a different device. You repair everything from a little video game system to a record player, to a tape player, to um, an old antique, um, uh, what do you call it? The little dancing or music boxes. So there's a lot of different things that you get to interact with in here. And that's like the gameplay element. But what really shines about this game is the story that surrounds the gameplay. And you play this character, Maria, who she's very, very kind and basically just wants everybody to, wants to help everybody. She's, she's a helper. And you have this girl, Carmen, and then her sister who are having some troubles together. And both of them are having different struggles and aren't willing to be honest with one another about what's going on in their lives. And then you encounter a, uh, a little girl and her father who doesn't have the mother around anymore. And then the conflicts between them. And that's basically kind of the gist of it. And you're just learning about the different people that live amongst the city um, and how they... Basically, you're saving their possessions, but you're, what you're really doing is saving them as people because you're seeing their lives kind of break apart and you need to find out how to help them. So you fix these things, make them happier, and through that process are kind of providing guidance for them. And there's no narrative choices that come into play. It's just <clears throat> it starts out with a few lines of the presentation of it's really cool too because it's presented kind of like a visual storybook. So you open up with lines of text that are listed on the page and then a narrator, the person that is that character, voicing the uh, role. And then there's a little illustration. And then after that plays out, you swipe up and then it goes to the next part of the story. And then you do that about six times and then it opens into the gameplay mechanic, which is fixing whatever thing you have to fix. And then after that, you have three or four slides that kind of talk about the conclusion after you fixed it. And then you can move on to the next next uh, next level. And that's the gist of it. And it's really short. It's about two hours probably you can get through it. But it's just a really, really cool game. It kind of reminds me of that game Florence that I played last year, or year before last, that was really good and clever and simple and just, just told a really good story. This right. one's very much in the same vein. Right. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I saw yeah. it on the App Store, and I was like, I might need to download this. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It's um, there's nothing fancy to it, no big surprises or anything like that. But it's it's just a beautiful, beautifully designed, simple game that I think without like Apple Arcade and stuff like that would not have gotten the recognition it deserved. Right. Um, but it's one of those things that you know, in the slew of all the bullshit kind of game games that are coming out on mobile phones. This is a nice, refreshing change. It's a fun little loop. Um, the art's great. The storytelling is really solid. And it's from the people that made Monument Valley, which is also really cool. Yeah, that's that's a great so, game. Yeah, so I highly recommend checking it out if you don't have Apple Arcade yet. This is something to pick up and try. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for the games we played this week. If you want to play games with us each and every week, join us in our Discord channel. Check out the link in the show notes. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and tell a friend. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our video game news. 
Have you ever found yourself on your way to a friend's house for a LAN party or a con like DreamHack with no easy way to transport your gear? It's heavy, it's complicated, and you have to deal with about five minutes of parking restrictions. Thanks to our new sponsor, Crazy Pro Gear, you don't have to worry about that. They have an awesome pro-level backpack that can hold any mid-sized tower or smaller, your accessories, peripherals, and everything except your monitor. We used it at QuakeCon 2019, and it was a game changer. You can also use it for board games, video game consoles, and game sticks, and more to make travel to the next convention or friend's house as simple as throwing on your backpack. Head over to theinnergamer.net slash crazy, that is C-R-A-Z-Z-I-E, to purchase gear for your next event. A portion of the proceeds go back to us to support The Inner Gamer. We'll see you at the next con. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. It is time for our video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. First up, we have Ubisoft is shaking things up in their editorial team because they're struggling. They're struggling a little bit. Their games are a little boring right now. And uh, if Ghost Recon and Breakpoint and Division 2 are to show for anything, um, people want some change. They want some differences. So that is coming down the pipeline. Polygon has reported that they have shaken up all of their stuff. So after lackluster sales from both of those Tom Clancy games, the CEO has said that they are looking to change it up. And as a result, they are going to keep the main creative officer, chief creative officer on staff, but uh, he will be given more subordinates and they will be given more autonomy so that he can lead from a broader perspective rather than directing individual projects himself. And in addition to that, um, it's going to allow Ubisoft's franchises to um, have more distinct identities rather than having one big person over the top that's like, you know, calling all the shots and doing all the things. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're they're starting to to shift it up a little bit. And well, I mean, it's taken them a while, but here they are actually trying to make a change in society with their games and hopefully for the better. Yes, finally they're actually changing, and I'm very excited that this is happening as well because after reading the article, knowing that they kind of had a few people at the top just making all the decisions, now makes sense why a lot of these games kind of felt the same, especially over time. So hopefully with the autonomy that they are given now, that they're able to kind of branch off, do exciting new things, and maybe even dive in and make a real video game for once. Like with, you know, awesome story and all just kind of comes together in a way that actually be worth playing and talking about and not just being like, oh, look, another AAA game again. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I really hope that this allows, and I hope they're very much doing what they say and having this creative officer just very much just making sure things move forward and that creatively like makes sense but not trying to put roadblocks in on them too often because i think assassin's creed odyssey and or and uh origins were good examples of them trying a little something different to shift up that franchise and it worked out pretty well for them because it revived new life into that franchise unfortunately everything else they've been doing hasn't really followed suit with that and with them now saying that they're you know delaying a lot of these games and also shaking up their creative team. Hopefully that yields us some good results down the line. Because God knows we need it. God knows we need it. Um, but speaking of 
uh, things being pushed back and things being shaken up. There's been a lot of delays. I feel like this is the year of game delays because we came in the year with all these confirmed dates and everybody's like, nope, these dates aren't going to change. They're going to be as they are. And then we're getting delays left and right. So most recently we have two big ones. Um, well, several big ones, but Cyberpunk 2077 was delayed. They are now pushing it back to um, September when it was originally going to be in May. So that's now delayed. And they said in their article that they are delaying it for a series of reasons. Actually, it was a tweet that they posted out. Um, they wanted to, and it was April, not May. I apologize. But April to September. And they said that the game is done, but they want to make sure that all the stories, content, places to visit, and the scale and complexity of everything has a lot more time to finish playtesting, fixing, and polishing. And they want it to be their, quote, crowning achievement for this generation. And postponing the launch will give them time to make it perfect. So, um, Austin, what are your thoughts on Cyberpunk being delayed? You excited? You oh, happy? Yeah. I mean, if it. <laughs> If it makes it better, how can I be upset? I want to play it, but if it just makes it 10 times better, um, please take all the time you need. Take another year if you need to, because I know that CD Projekt Red is going to do us justice, take the necessary steps and processes to make this game absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, I mean, I know that this is just going to propel them in the future to being, like, the standard of how video games should be made. Right. Um. Beyond that, uh, we also have a delay of Iron Man VR, which is an exciting title that's coming out later this year. It was going to be February. Now it's been pushed to May 15th to allow the team to, quote, deliver on its vision and meet the high expectations of its amazing community. Uh, so that got delayed. Final Fantasy VII Remake has been delayed to April. So it was releasing March 3rd. Now it's releasing Mar April 10th. And they said that, quote, we are making this tough decision in order to give ourselves a few extra weeks to apply final polish to this game and to deliver you the best possible experience. So I feel like we're copy and pasting these uh, these reasonings here of this, what they're, what they're doing. But basically, they need time and they're trying to make it as good as they can. I don't know what a month's going to do for this game, particularly with Final Fantasy, but I mean... It, a month is a month. That, that's a lot of people working on it. Hopefully it does some good. Um, and the last game getting pushed back is Avengers. Originally, it was slated to come out May 15th, which is interesting because that was going to line up right around the time of Cyber, Cyberpunk 2077. And I was like, that's going to be rough. So not only did Cyberpunk delay to September, but Avengers delayed to September. <laughs> so they're both dropping the same month. Uh, when Before they were <laughs> dropping a month apart. So that will be an interesting month for people. What's that going to look like? Well, I mean, if this is any indication of how big this year is, I think people, or at least these game devs, realize that they need to get these games right because there's a lot of heavy hitters coming out this year. So you don't want to miss a step, and you don't want to start off the year with a bad title, especially one that needs to be fixed like we've seen the past, I don't know how many years now, with games as a service. So... <clears throat> Uh, it seems to be a trend, but I think it is for the best. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I wonder if any of these games were delaying to avoid launching at the same time as other games. And then when they did move it, then other games moved to the same time again. Cause like, what if Avengers was like, no, we're going to move the game back because we don't want to be, 
we don't want to lose sales to Cyberpunk. So let's push it back and see what happens. And then Cyberpunk decides to move, and then bam, there you go. <laughs> it's just like a whole thing. Because Cyberpunk Avengers was delayed January 14th, and Cyberpunk was delayed January 16th, two days later. <laughs> so wow, it's almost, well, actually, maybe Cyberpunk <clears throat> moved it to be like, oh, hey, we're going to be at the same time as Avengers. I don't know. It's just a weird. It's just a weird coincidence that these games both moved to the same month at the same time. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer for them. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Either way, I, I am. I don't. I am fine with them giving us more time. I still need to catch up from last year. So mm-hmm. and the year before and the year before that. So the more time you take on these games, the more time I have to finish what I already have in my lineup. So yeah, there's a lot. Go to for it. Continue to play from last year. So. Yeah. Yes, give us more time. I I miss I kind of now I miss the, the dead summers where like nothing really came out. Maybe some like B rated game that you could put a oh, yeah. like ten hours in. But now it's just like oh my gosh every every month. <laughs> at least last year it felt like every month there's just something mm-hmm. big coming out and I can't keep up with it all. Neither neither can yeah. my wallet. <laughs> neither can your wallet. I know it's uh it's not good. And this year is no less because it's uh there's new consoles. You know me, I'm gonna have to buy the PlayStation 5. So <laughs> exactly. It's gonna happen. So yeah, there you have it. So next up, we have Valve. Valve is working on Half-Life Alex, as we know. And in addition to them working on Half-Life Alex, we also have them working on a few other things. Um, but we don't know what those other things are. But I know that they're working on more than one flagship title, but they have come out because there was a round of rumors uh, when the president of HTC China mentioned it during a talk that a Left 4 Dead was possibly being made. Um, this article comes from PC Gamer. But Valve has come out and stated that, no, we are not going to be doing VR uh, Left 4 Dead. It's not happening. It's not in the works. Trust us, it's not going to be coming anytime soon not vr not games it's not happening so they said that's that's the plan and uh they haven't been doing it for years so it just hasn't been touched that's that's a, that's a sad thought that well i'm not surprised but at the same time i just like the hope that we have around for these things and yes they've delivered on half-life alex but you know, if they need more time or just haven't come to that conclusion that they want to do that, then that, that I mean, that's fine because now we have hope again and hopefully in the future we'll have some sort of kind of Left for Dead revive of some kind. But I know, I forgot who it was, but I think it was the original, one of the people who worked on Left for Dead who is now creating something that's similar to Left for Dead. But um, we haven't heard about that game in at least a year or two. So I don't know yeah. what's up with that one. Man, there's just so many things. There's a game coming out we'll talk about at the end of the segment called The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. That's some kind of Walking Dead-ish zombie thing, but it looks like it could be also not good. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah. But um yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff happening. Um yeah, so beyond that, Epic Games, our best friends, as we all know, are currently um <laughs> This is going to make Austin really happy. So Epic Games says, according to, as reported by GameStop or GameSpot, Epic Games says that store, the, the store itself will pursue more exclusives after a successful first year. So they closed the Epic Games store this past year with $700 million in sales. 
And um, of those $700 million, roughly, uh, $251 million of them were third-party games, um, which is 60% ahead of Epic's predictions, projections. And then um, the rest of it was uh, exclusives. So lots of exclusive titles have made money. And uh, the revenue in general is ahead of expectations. So therefore, they're going to be doing more exclusive-based content. And they've also had a lot of success, surprisingly, with their uh, free games that they've been giving out. So far, they've given away 73 titles, and users have claimed 200 million of these games. So they estimate the value of the 73 games to be around $1,455, and they're going to continue to do it on a weekly basis going forward in 2020. So that's good, but also we've had a lot of conversation about this being dangerous for the game industry, them doing all these exclusive deals, mainly the way in which they did the exclusive deals, but it's not going away anytime soon, despite our fear, because money talks more than the opinions of consumers in this case. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean... We've covered it before. You can go back and listen to some of our podcasts, but at, at, I feel like Epic is two-faced because yes, they want to provide um, you know more money to developers, but the way they're doing it, just I don't I don't think it's positive. I mean, it's a double-sided coin for sure, or a doubled edge uh, doubled edge sword, uh, and it cuts both ways. Uh, but I just don't. There's got to be a better way of doing this, and you know that's what the how they want to pursue it. That's fine, but the double standard comes in where you know Cyberpunk 2077 is on the store, and it's like, well, they're going to make money regardless if they're here or not. But when it comes to indie games, you're like, well, hey, you know, I want to be on your store too, but I'm not going to be exclusive. So, you know, how can we work that out? And they're like, sorry, we're just not interested in that. And it's like, well, yeah, if you want to help people out, you need help people out. Don't just throw them to the wayside like that. Now, if it's a game that, I mean. Uh, this is off of, uh, I forgot the name of the game, but they were pursuing this game to be exclusive and the guy didn't want it to be. But as soon as they were, realized that he was like, now I'm going to release on Steam, I mean, they're just, nope, we don't want anything to do with you, so get out of our you know, get out of our face now. And I was like, what? Yeah. I just don't understand. I mean, I, I get to a point where, like, Tim Sweeney came out and said that uh, securing this is a quote from him, but it says securing exclusives for Epic means we can significantly assist developers with product funding and invest in marketing and awareness, knowing that these efforts bring in new customers to our store rather than just sending more businesses to business to the incumbent. So basically, it's like, why would we want to throw millions of dollars at somebody knowing that a lot of that money that we invest is going to be money that is going to come back into other people's wallets as opposed to ours? And I get that to a point, but. You know, I mean, it makes sense. That's why PlayStation has exclusives. That's why, you know, everybody else has these exclusive things. Xbox tries to have exclusives. But as of late, what I've really liked to see, to have seen is, you know, this weekend at PAX, we talked to the Dodo Peak developers and they released on App Arcade, which is a subscription service. But Apple does not put in their terms of service um, or seemingly doesn't have it, that they are exclusively available only on Apple Arcade. They're exclusive to Apple Arcade on mobile phones, but that doesn't mean they can't release on Nintendo Switch or Steam or all these other platforms. So that opens them up to make additional revenue streams without being locked down. But if you want this game, it is exclusive to mobile phones, specifically on the Apple Arcade. 
Whereas also, I mean, if you look at um, Xbox Game Pass, like they've done a great job because they've picked up titles that are on Xbox Game Pass, like The Outer Worlds, but it's also available on Steam. It's also available everywhere. So you can buy the game or you can do Xbox Game Pass and get it that way. So you're not restricted to just getting it at this one place. You can choose how you do it. But Epic's not that way because it's a storefront just like everybody else is. So they're at the end of the day, they just want sales. But I think they should try to look at something like that. Like maybe they have some kind of exclusive subscription service that's games exclusive to them that are allowed to be sold elsewhere. But it's a better deal if you sign up for them for like five, ten dollars a month to get all these games that they've signed on as exclusive to their platform and instead of having to pay steam $60 you pay epic game store 10 bucks a month i would do that probably yeah that's not bad yeah Hmm. so different model but it would be it wouldn't then restrict you from getting it elsewhere right right so and i think the exclusive content is likely going away i mean look at what recently happened i mean playstation offered up uh, all the uh, content from David Cage, um, you know, Heavy Rain and uh, Detroit Become Human and allowed it to be released on Epic Game Store. So that's now available on multiple platforms, which, you know, that was previously a PlayStation exclusive game. Right. So right. PlayStation's waking up a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's time in the sun. It's kind of come and gone. So it's kind of like whatever. Some some people might want to play this on PC, so why not? Which is good. It is yeah. a change of pace. Like, yeah, you're right. It is a change of pace, and it's nice. Um, but it obviously, makes sense for them to do that now because they're yeah. not competing so much with those that title anymore. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah, goods and bads. So, yep, goods and bads. Uh, last story we have. This is kind of a well. It's not really a big one, but it's 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 interesting. And that uh, PlayStation has come out and said that, again, they will not be at E3 2020 this year, even though they have a new console launch coming out, PlayStation 5 coming out this year, uh, they are not going to attend E3. And in their statement, uh, as reported by IGN, they say in summary a little bit here, it's a signature event, E3 is, celebrating the game industry and showcasing the people, brands, innovations, redefining entertainment loved by billions of people around the world. E3 2020 will be an exciting high-energy show featuring new experiences, partners, et cetera, et cetera. However, uh, for them, it says exhibit interest in our new activations is gaining the attention of brands that view E3 as a key opportunity to connect with um, video game fans worldwide. Uh, so that is the... Hang on a minute. So this was, Oh, this was a statement from E3. So state, E3 said that. So they're basically saying, like, you know, PlayStation's not there, but it's still... There's there's still a lot of value to be had here, and it's not going away. So, um, that is interesting. But I think with Sony, they have, um, they said they have great respect for the ESA as an organization, but they don't feel the vision of E3 is the right venue for what they're focused on this year. They're going to build upon global event strategies in 2020, participating participating in hundreds of consumer events across the globe. They want to make sure fans feel part of the PlayStation family and have access to play their favorite content. So I know that there's something coming up in February, possibly, that's been rumored to be happening. We also just found out the other day that Baldur's Gate 3 is doing a reveal of some kind in February as well. So those are the same months. I'm curious if PlayStation is going to have some kind of event 
that would include Baldur's Gate 3 and likely some other content um, to showcase here's the power of PlayStation 5 for this year. That would be interesting. That'd be very interesting. Hmm. I don't know if it's going to be if it's going to be held somewhere, but it looks like there are invitations that could be being sent out, um, like they did with PlayStation Four when they announced PlayStation Four. There was like an event that was like given invites to and stuff like that. So they might do the same thing with this. So right, um, yeah. But on the other hand, soon after PlayStation announced they aren't going to be at E three, Xbox came out and of course Phil Spencer said, "Yes, we are at E three and we are coming big." So. Um, business as usual, but, uh, PlayStation not doing it again makes me feel like they just aren't going to do E3 anymore. Um, the first year was like fine, you know, that's weird, but they're not there. And now it's maybe they found other avenues to be beneficial for them. And it's expensive to put on E3 for them. I mean, they put on big ass booths and like last year they did just fine by doing a bunch of state of plays that were like live streams (laughs) instead and uh, seemed to do pretty good with sales, regardless. Right. I I just I think it's come to the point where we've said it before. PlayStation has won the console war. There's no need to be there to compete against Xbox because they have a very strong fan base, and the fan base is very wide at this point. So why why spend the money to try to win over other people? I mean, they're doing it already through word of mouth. They don't need to do this big celebration, which. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love their celebrations. I love the PSX that they used to do. I love, you know, these big events like we had for when, um, you know, Ghost of Tsushima and um, The Last of Us 2 was announced. Like, those were amazing. Get to see these awesome trailers and really all get pumped and hyped. Like, I mean, E3 is Christmas for gamers. But we're starting to shift. And I think maybe uh, when we were at PAX, we talked about this, is that maybe... Opening E3 to the public has actually hurt E3 more than it has helped because I think, uh, well, I don't think, I I'm, I know they're trying to cater to two audiences, which is the people who are given the money and potentially want to invest in some of these companies, and then you have the people who, uh, fans like us, just the normal public, and when E3 was already huge and ridiculously long lines, well, now it's just twice as much. So there, there kind of needs to be like two E3s, one for, you know, the investors that happens like a week or after, I don't know, and then one for the general public who comes in and want to try some of these games out. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, I throw the press in with the uh, investors and stuff. And, you know, I think that could lead to something interesting. And that's why everyone's kind of doing E3 during that week, but not on E3, you know. <laughs> They're just trying to spread it out where – they can they can fit everybody in and you know if it takes two weeks or you know a full seven days i mean that's awesome i mean that's that's gamer paradise right there seven days of video game fun hell yeah i'll take that any day it's gonna be an interesting year there's there's um I, as you were talking about that stuff just now i just found uh stuff released about two hours ago um saying that potentially there's been a lot of leaks that have just came out um, very recently. So as we're recording this, it's Sunday night. And uh, apparently the PS5 price has leaked. The possible release window has leaked. And what is going to be in the launch lineup has leaked. So this is breaking news right now, everybody. And I'm trying to process everything. It's a lot. But it very is very much as possible that February is the release month 
of when they announce everything about it and reveal what the console looks like. Um, they're saying that it could happen by February 15th. So we are less than possibly four weeks away from a reveal. But I don't know if there's been any actual announcements or invites sent out yet. But that's very possible. And the rumor is it's going to be $499, so 500 bucks, And that the launch lineup could include things such as, um, let's see here. Where is the list that had all the things in the list? It's quite interesting. Um, we are looking at possibly Gran Turismo 7, MLB The Show, Demon's Souls Remastered, the Godfall game that we saw at the last uh, Game Awards, a new IP from Sony Santa Monica Studio called Legends, and then there are other several games being teased, including sequels to Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, Spider-Man 2 apparently is being leaked and in development, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> new entries in Crash Bandicoot and the Resident Evil series, a new sci-fi IP from Naughty Dog, fuck yes, and Final Fantasy 16. So these are all, of course, rumors, but these are leaks from a Reddit thread um, that seem to be relatively legit. Actually, I correction, 4chan. So 4chan's got all the shit behind the scenes. Very nice. Dude, that, that could be huge. That could be really yeah. big. I mean, yeah. yeah. With, with the potential sequels of PlayStation... I mean, you have your own E3, honestly. <laughs> I mean, they just have so many good titles that anything that comes out of those proper PlayStation proper games, like, hell yeah. Yeah. Why do you need to be at E3? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's big. So, uh, yeah. No, this, so this was confirmed by on Twitter, David Jaffe, who is the God of War and Twisted oh. Metal game director. Oh. He said that, uh, he told a fan that the PS5 reveal is less than three weeks away. Well, so whether that's crazy or not, but I mean, he's he's a name in the industry. So uh, he says, Sony knows hardcore gamers are hanging on every scrap of info and knows that just because Microsoft dominates the conversation at the moment, that's an easy thing to change when they're ready to reveal, assuming the reveal is good. So um, yeah, lots of stuff, man. This is going to be a wild year. Uh, and if PS5 does bring stuff like that, like, oh, oh man, I, I that that Naughty Dog IP, sci-fi Naughty Dog, oh man, oh jeez, uh, yeah, you're gonna come your pants here in a second. Hold on, get a napkin, Brett. <laughs> oh my God, I don't have to do it myself. This is hard. It's really hard. Yes, yes, it is. So yeah, there you have it. We got E3. We got Epic doing more exclusives. We got more free games from Epic. We got Valve not making Left 4 Dead 3. Lots of games getting delayed, and Ubisoft is trying to make things different. It's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of changes, a lot of shifts, and that's because we entered a new decade, a new generation <laughs> to be set in stone. It's exciting. What is going to happen? It's exciting to be here because in a decade we can look back and be like, man, you remember that Like when this whole thing got started? It's going to be awesome. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. Hell I'm really yeah. excited. Hell yeah. So. All righty. All right, with that, that's going to wrap it up our new segment. If you want to watch these in video format, uh, you probably can't because we weren't able to do videos on this. But you never know. We might make something out of it. We'll, we'll see. We'll make but something out of it. Don't worry about it. With that said, regardless, you should definitely check out our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, go to youtube.com slash innergamer and make sure you subscribe and bang that bell to get the videos as they launch. We're dropping at least two videos a week. 
so you don't want to miss out on that content. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back with our discussion topic about uh, video games and stuff that are missing from the 2020 lineup. But who knows? Maybe one of these guys will announce it. But stay tuned and find out what those games are. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Each week, we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry. This week, we're going to talk about video games that are missing in 2020. So if you've been listening to this podcast for more than one episode, you will know that we had a discussion at the end of 2019 where we talked about our most anticipated games of 2020. Well, now we're going to, quote, flip the script and talk about video games that are missing in 2020. This is uh, inspired by an article opinion piece that was written on... Um, written by Matt Espinelli and Kaylee Plog on GameSpot, where they talked about in their headline, Games Gone Missing 2020, where are these games? So we took a few of those ideas and uh, expanded upon it a little bit to make our top 10 games missing from 2020 in no particular order. Austin, you ready for this? You ready to dive in? Oh, yeah. If there's one thing I'm ready for, it's a dive into this list because it's going to make me so sad, man. I want these games. It is going to be sad. Everybody that's listening, make sure you have Kleenex nearby, tissues, so that you can dry your eyes out after you cry profusely about some of these things, um, such as EA Motive, the team that Jade Raymond is supposed to be spearheading. Uh, they were making a Star Wars game, and that game has not been seen at all. Uh, it doesn't exist. It's just kind of around. They were working on it. And they decided that they're going to stop working on it to change course a little bit. And um, now they are just, you know, doing some things and making some stuff happen and uh, making some magic happen and nothing is happening. So it's really weird. But uh, they said they were going to use some material left over from Visceral's version of the game, which is the one that we had seen screenshots of a long time ago. That was a third person view. And honestly kind of reminds me a little bit of it looks like Mandalorian in a way but um, since then they are we just don't know what they're actually doing but I think it's supposed to be a single player game and at one point they said that they were changing the game to get more in line with what people want in today's day and age but I don't think they're doing that anymore right. because Went from iPhone order did well. Went from story driven to open world, you know, pay to win bullshit. I don't know if it's pay to win, but it was going open world, and it's really sad. Uh, if I remember correctly, you were like a smuggler, and you had a rag. I mean, the code name was Ragtag, so you had a ragtag Correct. team of people that I think you could pick which one you wanted to be, or you're the captain. And it was kind of supposed to be uh, Mass Effect in a way where, you know, decisions you make will affect the way these people treat you. And, you you know, come, you know, you'll lose people if they don't. And could be wrong. It's very similar to Outer Worlds, if I can remember correctly. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was supposed to be something along those lines. Right. And it just sounded so cool. But, of course, EA had to go fuck it up, so... And that's why Amy Hinning is now longer with Visceral, Visceral Games. True that. True that. Uh, so what's interesting, though, is um, 
So I'm looking at careers that Motive is hiring for currently, and they are hiring for roles such as development director, senior network developer, lead systems engineer, technical architect, technical art director, technical animator, narrative director, audio artist, and senior character artist. So they very well could be doing a um, something narrative, but with the multiplayer components to it because they have the network director in there. But on the narrative director role, they say that they're looking for somebody who can develop the main storyline, the world storylines, and quest storylines. So that sounds like there's some open world stuff in there. Oh, yeah. And uh, they want you to run a writer's room, uh, unify narrative goals with gameplay objectives, continually communicate the story direction, how it unfolds across all story channels, and pioneer ways. Oh, <laughs> get this. Pioneer new ways to deliver meaningful stories in a live service game. Ugh. So Ugh. I guess they are working this towards a live service game, hence the other stuff yeah. um, that we talked about, the networking and stuff like that. So very interesting. But we'll see where that comes from. But yeah, that's a game that I wish was coming out this year yeah, or some year. But Same here. Who knows where we're going to see that. Right, right. Another game that happens to have the word star in the name is Starfield. Starfield is uh, Bethesda Game Studios game that they announced last year at E. No, not last year anymore. It was two like, years ago. Yeah, it was two years at ago. E3. Two years ago at E3, they announced Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six. Uh, they both said that they were going to be releasing by like not anytime soon. Ultimately, which led me to believe that Starfield at the earliest we would see twenty twenty one, and I'm thinking that. Elder Scrolls 6 because that was going to come out after Starfield probably won't be till like 2023 or something like that. <laughs> I would 2024. Think, I would so think we'll 2025. Be, like it's probably pretty long ways we'll, out honestly. We'll be 35 and 36 by the time this damn game comes out. Yeah. Doesn't that hurt your soul to think about that? Well, it's interesting because... Like, the next Skyrim will come out when you're like 36 years old, Austin. Yeah, I mean, I will be sad, but I think what's more interesting is like... They only have a certain amount of properties, right? So what are they doing in the meantime? Like Bethesda proper. Yeah, they released Fallout 76, 76, and that was an absolute dumpster fire that's continuing to rage right now. Uh, And I don't understand where we go from this, because Bethesda was pretty good at releasing games on a, I want to say, a timely basis, Uh, and interesting games too, like stuff that, you know, Fallout New Vegas wasn't technically Fallout, but or you know, but that's a proper. But I mean, it was a good iteration. It was probably one of the, obviously one of the best iterations of Fallout that kind of held us from Fallout Three to uh, Fallout Four. So I just I'm just curious, like what their plan is right now, because if they're yeah. obviously they're trying to fall suit with. Hey, let's do games of service to make lots of money, and it's just it's not working at all for them. <laughs> uh, well, so here's their kind of release schedule based off of uh, Wikipedia here. Okay, in 2002 they released The Elder Scrolls Morrowind, um, and then in 2004 they released a drag racing game, super random, and then 2006 they released Oblivion. So four years have passed before they released Oblivion. And then two years after that, they released Fallout 3 in 2008. And then 2011, three years after the release of Fallout 3, and a whopping five years after Oblivion, they released Skyrim. 
and then they give themselves four years, and then they release Fallout 4 um, after Skyrim, which happened to be uh, five, six, seven years after Fallout 3 released. Mm. So that was a big gap. And then since then, 2015 was Fallout 4, and then we had all the Skyrim reduxes in 2016, and then 2017, and then 2018, three years later, we had Fallout 76. So in all like accounts, Fallout 76 was actually like the quick, quick, quickest release cycle that they've ever had. So they're basically on a minimum of four-year turnaround time, three to four-year turnaround time for a game. So since Fallout 76 came out in 2018, we're looking at at least 2021, likely 2022 for Starfield. Mm, interesting. And then maybe two more two years later for Elder Scrolls 6, which well, we will probably be 2025. We only hope that they've been working on Starfield already, but we already heard that they were having issues with uh, their engine they were using. So there's been mixed, you know, leaks about that, and it's possible that they have had to already go back and kind of redo everything because of certain technical issues that they've run into. So who knows? Well, I know that they were working on this from the. I think this is the one they were doing a brand new engine from. Somehow, right. I don't know what they were. I don't know how that was working, but I, I just I hope it's good. Pretty sure Todd Howard said that they were still on the same engine for Starfield. Um, and Brett will look question. that up. I'm yep. pretty sure. Yep, you're right. Todd Howard has confirmed that they are using the same old creaky engine to power Starfield and the Elder Scrolls Six, <laughs> the creation <laughs> engine. <laughs> Uh, oh, shoot me in the face, man. I'm tired of this engine. Fallout 4 but, was the last hey, one that needed it. Hey, Todd Howard says, we like our editor, Austin. It allows us to create worlds really fast, and the modders know it really well. There are some elementary ways we create our games, and that will continue because that lets us be efficient, and we think it works best. Yes, it's elementary, Mr. Dear Robinson, because it is a hot pile of garbage with no network code. <sighs> Yeah, there's a lot of modders who are like, you need to get a new engine, please. <laughs> They're like, this is just ridiculous at this you point. You can't run something from like what came out, what did we say, like 2008, 2006 or whatever? Yeah, In 2002, so long ago. The same engine they've been working on. Look, I don't I mean, know how. crazy. I mean, maybe this is just a tribute to how good the source is, the source engine is, but I mean, Apex is on a modified source engine, so maybe that's could give us some hope, but I mean, I don't know. It's a, at this point, I just, I just don't, I just don't even want to play those games anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, um, speaking of Bethesda, yeah, um, they were also making a game called Battle Cry. It was pub- being published by them. It's a MOBA-like game with historical inspirations and a focus on melee combat. It was announced back in 2014. They had a trailer and a global beta sign up in 2015. But then they con- were concerned about the quality. So it's been three years and we haven't heard anything about it. And uh, yeah. And then that studio that was working on it um, was rebranded Bethesda Game Studios and is now working on Fallout 76. So will we ever see Battle Cry? I don't know. I don't think we will at this point. I, I think it's an interesting concept. Do you remember the I gameplay thought it was and awesome. stuff? Yeah, because didn't we play it? I don't think we played Oh, you're right. We did play it. Yeah, we played it at one of the cons. They had a setup for it. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like now it's a little 
I think it's a good game. I, they should have brought it out like two years ago because it would have been a cool competitor to... I mean, it's like the idea of Overwatch before Overwatch came out. Right. It's like Overwatch and... Um and um, uh, what's their like assassin game they have? Why can't I can't remember the game name right now? Uh, Dishonored, Thief, Def- Dishonored, yeah. But alas, it is uh, probably not ever going to come out. So that sucks. It's a bummer to hear that, but that is where things are with that game. All right, number four we have, and again, these are no particular order, but this is a game that I. I'm very shocked hasn't come out yet because they've been teasing it and talking about it forever. And this is an example of one of those games that Ubisoft is just kind of, kind of holding on to. But when I say they've been talking about it forever, I guess not very long. 2017, they announced Skull and Bones, which was an open world action game with naval combat. Basically they were like, let's take black flags, ship battles and make it into a full game with open world combat on a ship. So you don't command a single person. You command the ship itself that has a bunch of people on it, and you go around and you fight each other, and there's also single-player um, components to it. Yeah. So they teased it a little bit, 2018, 2017, talked about a lot. It was nowhere to be seen in 2019, and then here we are in 2020. Will we see it? I don't know. You know, it needs to come out. I feel like people... There's a lot of hype behind this game, and I'm surprised it hasn't come out yet. Because I know, I don't know, it's just one of those things where people want to be pirates, and then people want to do these shit battles. And if Black Flag is any indication that people want this, like, it, it's the greatest indication ever. Like, people want a gameplay like this. It's still <laughs> people's favorite game. I know. Black Flag of Assassin's I, Series. Yes, exactly. Like, everyone who likes Assassin's Creed is always like, oh, but I love Black Flag the most. And I'm just like, damn, like... It was a good game. Like, it is a good game. I'm not going to say I didn't like it, but uh, I'm just surprised. I mean, maybe they're just trying to refine a lot of things or, well, now that Ubisoft is refocusing, like we discussed, um, this might be longer delayed than anticipated. So that's what sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see apparently in 2019, they announced they were collaborating with a production company called Atlas Entertainment to create a TV adaptation of Skull and Bones. Wow, so it's still cool. in production, but um, I bet I think I remember we talk. I think I remember reading somewhere that there's a possibility this could be coming out with a PS5 announcement in some capacity, which I think would be interesting. I bet we'll see it at E3 this year. Mm-hmm. Ubisoft's got to pull out all the stops. So Watch Dogs Three is going to come out. Well, no, it's not going to come out until later in the year. But E3 is going to be a big one for Ubisoft. I think Ubisoft's got a lot to show. Xbox. Hopefully, we'll finally be showing their um, titles that are coming out as a result of their hard work buying studios, um, at least teasers on that stuff. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, I would like to play Skull and Bones. I hope they, I hope they do well with it, and it doesn't like fall flat on its face and have tons of bullshit microtransactions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, another game that likely will never see the light of day, but there is hope because of what's coming out this year. Half-Life 3. Half-Life 3 has hope because Half-Life Alex was announced. A new Half-Life game is actually in development and it may release, but will they ever bring a three to us? I don't know if they will, but 
there's still time to hope. We've been waiting for this game for 20,000 years. Um, <laughs> it's the longest running uh, video game meme ever, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's been so many like, Half-Life so. 3 confirmed. <laughs> uh, I remember when the HTC came out, we were like, oh yeah, that's Half-Life 3, basically, if you look at it really closely. Oh, and yeah. And there was like people making like, trying to just make their own version of Half-Life 3 and um, Valve just has been silent for so long and I just wish they'd come out and say something about it but they don't want to because they like to keep people guessing yes I don't, don't know why it pisses me off I mean it's fine like they create this whole culture about like this game so there, there's a culture of people <sighs> you know there's a culture of people that like anime and there's a culture of people that are into video games there's a culture of people that want Half-Life 3 I know I know so badly yeah We should start a religion. <laughs> the Half Life Three. Half Life Three wants religion. Yes. We praise we praise the deity that will never come see us. Oh, Half Life Three. It's so sad. It's so sad. I know. Now I I think we'll get it. I mean, they've already said with uh Jeff Keighley sat down with the team behind it, or the team leads behind it, and they were like, Yeah, we have plans for many Half Life games in the future. Well, they I don't think they said many. They had they have some coming up. So I'm assuming we're going to get some lead-up games to Half-Life 3, and then eventually we'll get the game we've all been waiting for. And I know everyone keeps saying it's just everyone's expectations are too high. But I don't think so. Like I, We are, but we're not. Like Give us a good game with a good story, similar to what they've already given us, and people are going to love it. Just keep it all sci-fi and stuff. Like I just don't see what, what's not to love. Um, well, well, it could be shitty. Yeah, if they do something like, um, what do you call it? Um, like a live service or something, then yeah, it's going to be shitty. <laughs> That's how you fuck it up. But as long as it's narrative driven in the same universe, there's so much to go off of. I just don't see how, I mean, no one wants to fuck it up. So yeah. Yeah. I know. It's really scary, man. So many opportunities. So many things that could have happened. I'm looking at a uh, article PC Gamer had Half-Life 3 unconfirmed, looking back at 10 years of not playing the most essential sequel in video game history. <laughs> and yeah. in 2006, they confirmed that, yes, there was an announcement Half-Life 2 Episode 3 was coming in time for Christmas 2007. And there was even talks of Episode 4. Well, that never happened. <clears throat> then they... Uh, <laughs> they said, basically, due to the calculations of the timeline, we should be getting Half-Life 2 Episode 16 pretty soon. Um, <laughs> people started making fakes, and then there was a blob shake thing that came out that didn't prove anything, but was released 2011. Um, there was something in a Portal, S2, Portal 2 SDK that made people think there was Half-Life 3 coming. Um December 2011, somebody wore a t-shirt that was Half-Life 3 t-shirt. And then Wheatley gets involved in 2011 as well. There's Black Aperture in 2011 as well. Uh, more 2011. And then, uh, let's see, April 2012, P-Powered. There's an April Fool Joker that uploaded, I think, a game that was with a Half-Life 3 image on it. Oh, That's wow. evil. Yeah. Uh, 
concept art release in 2012 for supposedly the game. Um, man, just so much stuff happening. Gamers being trolled since that time. <laughs> yep, since forever, forever ago. So yep, yep, anyway, yep, yep. I don't know what's ever going to happen, but it's been going on for a long time. Like They've been talking about it forever, and I feel like it's just <coughs> they might as well just let it go and go and go and never release it. Ever. No, please, just give us something. Dude, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. I never know. All right. Dead Island 2. It's another game that's never going to come out. With uh, the... Well, actually, this is developed by a different team. I forgot because um, Jaeger was working on it. Originally, it was Techland, and Techland's now working on Dying Light 2, which just got delayed for who knows how long because they didn't announce it. But developer Sumo Digital is apparently working on the game. And Dead Island 2 would be a cool game because I had fun with Dead Island. I just felt like it fell short in some places. But it was an interesting concept. But at this point, I feel like they should just kill it and not bring it out because it's just been so long. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Good concept. Bad execution. I mean, the, the studio was disbanded already so why why just why bring it back oh yeah that actually I, I was i was wrong sumo digital took it over in 2016 but then apparently it shifted hands uh in 2018 um when thq nordic was bought it out and then apparently thq nordic confirmed that in 2019 dan buster studios the makers of Homefront: the resolution was or the revolution was taking the reins mm-hmm. and that game wasn't very good so um. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna see that game, and I don't know if I really want it. I agree with you. We don't. We don't need it. We don't need it. One game we do need though. This game called Agent. I'm curious about this game. It was announced in 2007. It was teased in 2007 by Rockstar North, and it's a Cold War era espionage game. And in 2009. It was announced as a PS3 exclusive from Grand Theft Auto developer Rockstar North. Since then, the game hasn't been canceled, but it's kind of a rumor. Um, Images were released in 2011 when Take-Two confirmed the game was still in development. Two years later, Take-Two renewed the trademarks for the game, and then it renewed them again in 2014, just before E3. Nothing happened. And then in 2015, new images emerged again. At the end of 2016, Take-Two refiled the trademarks yet again. And then in 2018, the USPTO declared the agent trademark as abandoned. So will we see this game? I don't know. But it's interesting to see how these these things kind of carry on and on and on. And you never really see the light of day. I like to know... Like the story behind this, you know, like I want to, I'd like to dig into, um, this world and find out what was, what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's interesting. There seems to be a lot of games that just kind of get nicked and I feel like, yeah, I'm always curious cause they could end up being like something really, really awesome. But, mm-hmm. you know, finances are everything. Yeah. So That's no, true. I, I don't even remember seeing the trailer for this, honestly. No, there wasn't a trailer. No, there was wasn't a, a trailer. Oh, okay. I got you. 
Yeah. It was just a tease. All but a tease. Well, actually, looking up, trying to look up something for this. Um, do you remember Agents of Mayhem? Did this ever come yes. out? I think it did. It was a PS4. I, yes, it did. It did? Okay. And it was really bad. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, because it was the guys that made... This was actually Kosh Media that d- uh, published it, but it was the people that made Saints Row. Oh. It was like, let's make, let's make Saints Row, but with superheroes. Right. And agents or whatever, and it was just a pot pile of garbage. Okay. Makes sense why yeah. I haven't heard about it. It came out in 2017. Okay. And uh, recently the reviews weren't bad, but uh, a lot of them said <laughs> that it was... Very, very buggy. Um, lots of bugs, not super enjoyable gameplay, stuff like that. So cool. that's what happened with that game. Well, screw that. <laughs> I know. All right. Next up. Next up, we have Ken Levine's game. This piece of shit. No, I love you, Ken Levine. But I'm going to call you a piece of shit for a little minute here because I want you to bring this game out. Because back in the day, you went out and just said, hey, Irrational Games team. I'm going to shut down the studio. Just shut it down. You made Bioshock Infinite. Thank you very much. You're awesome. We're going to shut you down, and I'm going to downsize and start a new studio. And that new studio is going to be much smaller and be more more focused, right? That was the plan. So here we are, many, many moons after that all happened. Uh And uh, what do we got? We got nothing. We got nothing. 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 We do have reports of Bioshock's in development by the Bioshock 2 developers. But are we getting anything from Ken Levine? No. No, he's working on not a lot. But (laughs) it's funny. He's working on a lot. But like, I'm trying to think back in time when, you know, Games of Service started getting bigger and bigger. I, I wonder if this kind of switched the minds of some of these guys. You're like, well, it's just not. Well, one, the industry is not heading in the way I want it to. And then two, no one wants to support me because it costs too much money. And then they'd rather just make all these other games that could co- make them more money, right? Like, I feel like that's a huge factor and maybe why some of these guys like Ken Levine just kind of have backed away from the game industry or just backed away in making these games. Like, I just don't see why you would want to, you know, you have a lot of clout, a lot of people know you, a lot of people are excited about the games you make. Why aren't you making games? Well, I mean, it's they're still in business, so they still have a website. They're still doing stuff. Okay. Um, supposedly back in two thousand and uh, let's see, what was it? Two thousand fifteen. They he came on NPR and talked about his design goals for the next game. He said it was going to be highly replayable. It's a small-scale open-world game with a sci-fi theme. And that was kind of the, the general basis of it. And then an update came out, I believe, last year, where uh, they said that they were hiring for the game, and it described it as a creatively ambitious project in the immersive sim genre, which is very, very interesting. And currently we have people that work there, they have a full team of people. It's a very large scale team. Not large. It's like 25 people or whatever. But they all still work there. So somebody's doing something. We just don't know what that something is. 
Interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. It looks like, so currently they're hiring for three t- parts, a senior UI artist, a cinematic narrative scripter, and a senior level artist. So they must still be working on content uh, in some capacity. Yeah, they got to be. Whatever that content is, I will never know. Right. You will never, ever know. Nope. So, but I don't know. I just want it to be good because I feel like he's such a talented. Um, he had a. He's always made really good stories, really good, interesting stories that are unique. Like I feel, I'm a big fan of thrillers, and Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite were both thrillers at their core, and had unique gameplay mechanics and nice looking graphics and great storylines and all this stuff was really, really, really good. Right. So, I don't know. Just don't know what to expect. Yeah, oh, they're looking Sad. for a UI artist. Maybe I should sign up for their, man, their job in Westwood, Massachusetts, and then I'll know what it is. There you go. Then you can tell us all the dirty secrets. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. They're very vague on this position here. Ooh, okay. here we go. Extra credit for this role of UI designer is passion for narrative first-person shooters. Oh, First-hand knowledge of design for shooters, immersive sims, and or action RPGs. There you go. And, um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Hmm. I wonder what else has been an immersive sim in this in this industry. Immersive shim, sim games. Let's see here. We have immersive sims that are the 10 best immersive sims ever. Here we go. This will give you an idea of what they are considered. Thief 2, The Middle Age. Bioshock is considered an immersive sim. I didn't know that. Deus Ex Human Revolution is an immersive sim. Prey is an immersive sim. Oh, interesting. Alien Isolation. Hitman. System Shock 2. Metal Gear Solid 5. Dishonored. Huh. So I guess it's games that allow you to do take full control of the the environment that you're working inside of. Right. That um, makes sense. As you're playing through the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel but, you. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that game. But the next two we have are just whew, man. These are big. These are big. Give them to me. Give them to I'm me. I'm going to give them to you. So there's a game that was leaked back in 2018 roughly. And uh, no, it was 2019. I don't know when it was. It came out at some point, <laughs> some point or another. 2018 and sounds like an accurate date. Yeah, it was. It was 2018. It was a Harry Potter, what looked to be a Harry Potter RPG, supposedly in development at WP Games. And this featured characters that were, you can make a character, you could update, you know, the character's face, body, skin, all that stuff, had RPG elements. It looked like it took place in the uh, 19th century. It was a third war- third person game. You were a newly arrived fifth year student at Hogwarts, and uh, strange events started happening. And um, you just go about on quests and do spells and cause things to go crazy. And it hasn't been released yet, but it looks so good. Yeah, there looks was a so good. trailer that was leaked, and the trailer looked pretty 
like all the stuff they had in there, it was like, man, it looks like they got a complete game already, but I know all too well that trailers lie all the time. So maybe it's just a proof of concept type thing and they haven't, they, maybe it's just, I don't know. Well, I think Harry Potter's kind of fallen to the wayside, you know, it's not as popular as it used to be. Uh-huh. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like Harry Potter's kind of dead. I don't know. I think it could be coming. There was uh let's see what this is. No, this isn't recent. Dang it. Well, supposedly there is um oh yeah, this was it. Eurogamer responded to a leak saying that its sources said the game was at least a year away from release and that it's being developed by Avalanche. So we did talk about that actually back in the day. So there's a chance it could come out this year. We just don't know what it is yet. That'd so be cool. Hopefully we see it at E three. I might play it. Last but not least, this is a big one here. We've been waiting on this game forever, and I don't know what the game even is, but Rocksteady Games. Rocksteady Games, you may know of as the creators of Batman Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. Those games are freaking incredible. Um, and uh, we don't know. Will they bring it out at some point? Some game that's another Batman will it be something else entirely. I don't know, but they're hiring. They're working on stuff. And they keep saying they're never going to show something at a convention, but they need to bring something out and stop just being quiet about it. That would be nice. You know, I would like that. <laughs> but this one game is so bad. I've been gone for so long. At least it seems like that. You know, I don't know. Dude, they're going to, they're going to, I don't know. They got to, they got to bring something out. Like, what would you want them to do with, would you want them to do Batman again? Or would you want them to try something completely new? Something completely new. You know, they have the team to do it. But, I, um, I mean, not that this would happen, but, you know, there's always that fear now with, you know, uh, D&D from Game of Thrones that, you know, they had so much source material to work off of that they could make something really amazing. But now that if they go off and do something on their own, can they do it? I mean, I definitely have hope for them. Uh, I would want them to do something different. I think Batman, Batman's come and gone. That's great. Let's let's focus on somebody else now. Superhero, like some other superhero. I don't I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, I hope they're making a open world, free to play, massively multiplayer online RPG with cosmetic item Batman game. And I don't want to play that. I'm just kidding. Oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> it would be awful, man. I'd be so upset. They, um, yeah, that would be really bad. They're apparently hiring for 19 different people right now. Oh, wow. Nine in the coding department. Oh, wow. Uh, one in the character department, three in the art department, one in the animation department, uh, one in the IT department, one in office and finance, and three in the QA team. Wow. So... They're looking currently for senior AI programmers, an engine director, senior tools and DevOps person, a, ga a senior gameplay programmer, a rendering programmer, a tools programmer. So that's a lot of stuff. That's In the art department, stuff. they're looking for a UI artist, a web UIX designer. Oop, going to jump on that right now. And uh, yeah, they're, they're on the roll. They're looking for a lot of stuff. Well, exciting things to come. Maybe everyone's just been waiting for the new consoles to launch, and then you know we'll get rolling to the biggest year of gaming history next year again. 
And this is why they don't ever finish a game. The benefits at Rocksteady include tons of studio clubs to get you to know people, such as comic book, war gaming, board games, home brewing, chess, new parents, photography and film nights, yoga five times a week at lunchtime, football two times a week at lunchtime, life drawing one time a week, world-class training speakers hosted on site, monthly team meals, on-site subsidized masseuse, invites to WB Films, state-of-the-art office, free vending machine, fruit juice, and snacks, and a game and book library. Whoa. They don't got time Whoa. to play and make video games. It's crazy. I don't know what they're going to do. Crazy. Dude, I don't know either. But, yeah. I just, I hope... Because we know what's coming out this year. We have a great idea, but I just, I've been anxiously awaiting a big, huge shocker surprise. Yeah. Like Cyberpunk surprised us when they finally, well, sort of surprised us. When they fir- first announced the game, it was a surprise, but we knew that a release date was coming at some point. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. So I'm looking for something that's just like totally out of left field. Hey, here's this game. You've never seen it before. You haven't heard about it. I want an Apex Legends style thing, you know? Or they just, guess what? Here's a new game. It's dropped. Play it. Check it out. It's going to be amazing. Man, that's all we can hope for. (laughs) All we can hope for, man. That is all we can hope for. So, anyway, everybody, that's going to wrap it up, I think, today. Austin, you got anything else to add to the top 10 games missing from 2020 and beyond? Give us the games we deserve, damn it. Stop giving us. Give us us those games. I'm tired of these other games. Games of service is bullshit. Bullshit. I want Pac-Man again. I want another Tetris game. Like, give me the good shit, all right? I don't want none of that freaking Cyberpunk 2077. I want Pong. I want Pong 2077. Uh, I don't know about that, but yeah. yeah. I'm just totally kidding. (laughs) Never going to see that. I never never know if you're kidding, Brett. Dude. He's so serious. You got to know. (laughs) You got to know. so serious? Anyway, if you guys have questions or want to contribute to next week's segment, visit dinogamer.net and send us your feedback. You can also join our Discord channel in the show notes to chat with us on our upcoming discussions. We'll be right back with our upcoming video game releases. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Looking forward to next week. Let's talk about our upcoming video game releases. We finally have some games starting to come out. Nothing super, super exciting, but exciting nonetheless. On January 23rd, for PC exclusively, we have The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. This is a game unlike any other in The Walking Dead universe. Every challenge you face and decision you make is driven by you, Austin Morales. Fight the undead, scavenge through the flooded ruins of New Orleans, and face gut-wrenching choices for you and the other survivors. Whoa. Live the walking dead. Whoa. 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 On the 28th of January on Xbox One and PC, Journey to the Savage Planet is coming out. This is a colorful co-op adventure game that you play as the newest recruit to Kindred Aerospace, dropped onto an uncharted planet with little equipment, You must determine if the planet is fit for human habitation, but perhaps you're not the first to set foot here. Is that all the dots I had? It's all the dots that I had in my head. It just continued on. It was a broken record. I was kind of, I was frozen. You know how like in the olden days when you're 
their game would like lock up and just repeat the audio. That was me. All right, also on the 28th, PC exclusively, Warcraft 3 Reforged. This is a complete reimagining of a real-time strategy classic. Experience the epic origin stories of Warcraft. Now, more stunning and evocative than ever before. With Reforged visuals, legendary campaigns, exhilarating gameplay, and limitless custom games, you can now jump back into Warcraft 3 all over again. And with that, that's going to wrap it up for our show this week. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. Visit TheInnerGamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. If y'all like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. And that's it. Oh, that's it? Oh, okay, cool. Oh, no, you got you got more. Oh, you yeah, more. I know. I was about to jump in. And if you want to support our show, you can donate on our website over at TheInnerGamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast, videos, and events even better. You can also join in on the conversation over in our Discord channel. So check out the show notes for that link. And as always, donating is awesome. But if you cannot donate, you can always share our content. Getting more eyes in front of our content helps us grow even faster. And we appreciate all of your support. I'm Austin Morales. I am Brett Yanoski. <laughs> and you've been listening to the Andy Gamer Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Podcast out! Podcast up, alive, <laughs> fly away, oh fly, oh fly away, podcast, you fly. All right, all right, all right, here we go. All right, all right, all right. My stand is on my cat right now. I have a cat stand. Yeah. He's just chilling, looking at me like, what are you doing with that stand on my hat, on my stomach? Three, two, and one. What the fuck? Oh, what the fuck? What the fuck, Austin? Why'd you leave? I do not know what just happened. Was, you said you three, just, and I was like, uh, why is it silent? Leave? I did. Maybe I don't know somebody, why. Maybe somebody moved you. Maybe somebody was teasing with you in here. Three, two, one. Each week, we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry, everybody. And three weeks ago, we start over on this podcast. All right. Three, two, one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? The fuck? I don't know. Cue the explosions! Cue the pyrotechnics! Boom, 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 Cue the epic cinematic music. And then best of all, we have one more thing to cue. You gotta wait for it right now. It's about to get happening because you got the epic music, you got the explosions, you got all the craziness, and then, last but not least, you got... I already hate this. I fucking hate it. You got the rap bear horn! Yeah! Let's uh, get ready to rumble! It's just awful.